Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, <laughs> basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Here we are again. It is January 27th. And this is Georgia Tech Vol. This is the PodQuest. I love that music too. We did these kind of cool intros and everything. I got somebody to make them for me, this really cool DJ and the voiceover and all that stuff. So we hope it brings some excitement to you as you listen to the PodQuest. And thank you for being here. It is Sunday night again, the 27th of January. I've got our regular cast and crew here with me, Bleed Orange 23. My dad, he's actually casting from the other room. And we didn't want to do uh, the podcast where... It sounds like we're passing back and forth the microphones and all that kind of stuff. So I made him sit in the other room in the corner. He's actually facing the corner right now. So uh Mafa would be proud. Yes, she would. Powell uh, yeah. is on as well tonight. And PTC Vol, my buddy, my good friend. It has been a an incredible week. Before we do introductions really fast, an incredible week. Uh, Tennessee Vols, Lady Vols, recruiting news, the portal. Even the Fire Music Festival uh, documentary. So it's been a great all around week for everybody. And it sounds like maybe there might be some snow. We might have a little weather quest at the end here. But um, Bleed Orange, you're with me at my house tonight. I, I finally begged you to come over to the house to, to see your family. So thank you for being here tonight and joining us. Uh, do you want to say hey to the crew? Hey to the crew. Nice. Well, it's good to be here. And, uh, I, I am actually in the next room with uh, Georgia Tech Vol in the other room, so we don't get the echo and feedback. But uh, it was nice that after all my begging, he finally acquiesced and allowed me to come visit my grandson. Well, that's good. And I'm glad to have you here. And again, um, you're not allowed to sleep in the guest room. You got to sleep downstairs. So just want to let you know. Well, I'm good with that. <laughs> but I've heard you snore before. And I'm glad... I'm glad also that you got your power nap because you got to bring the heat tonight. Okay. Bring in the heat. Bring in the heat. It doesn't mean the heating pad. <laughs> no heating pads. I know we got your setup up there. Uh, Powell Vols, what's up, man? Do you think we're going to have some weather quest tonight? You got anything good for us a little bit later? Yeah, we can talk about that uh, later on if you want to. First thing I'd like to do, though, yep. is real quick, is congratulate Priest Fall on his uh, oh, yeah. addition to his family this week. Uh, sounds like everything is going well for them. Yay. 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 I, I don't have a sound clip for it. I forgot about that, but we're doing a, a yay sound clip for you right now. Congrats. How about a baby crying? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's amazing. And good point, pal, bringing that up because uh, I know we all have the group text and everything going and priest had his baby girl on, on Saturday morning. So, um, and again, we, we got the text message, I think, before any family members did. So we appreciate you uh, putting the priorities there, Priest. Um, and also, hopefully, he'll be back next week for the PodQuest. So. Yep. Last but not anyway. least. Yeah, anything else, Powell? Go ahead, man. Just, I'm happy to be here. We're so happy to have you on. I think uh, this might we're going to make a Guinness Book of World Records for most uh, podcasts in a row. I don't know how many it is. That'd be kind of cool. We can look at how many weeks in a row people do it. But we're getting there. You and I, we've been on every single time. And Bleed, Bleed Orange, did you miss one? I don't know if you did or not. But I think I missed one. Maybe sorry. one. Maybe, maybe one. 
but uh, you know, Powell and I have been on every single time. So he's, he's, you're definitely getting a caricature when I do the, when I do the logo at some point, but anyway, I had that terrible bout of hemorrhoids that I think caused me to miss. That's true. But we, as you said, as we talked about last week, our sponsor was preparation H medical wipes. So I've got a special box filled with them because they sent us, you know, a care package and the swag box. So I got um, underwear, um, tank tops and additional pads. So if you'd like some, I can give them to you. I'm good. Okay. You're stocked up. Uh, yes, stocked up PTC vol. We maybe can't talk about that that much here, but how are you doing tonight? My friend doing good brother. Um, also, you know, congratulations to priest fall. Got a new VFL in the family. Um, beautiful baby girl. I'm very happy for him. And just, I'm really excited about where our basketballs are and what Rick Barnes has done for this team. And, you know, that's bringing excitement around our football team too. I mean, you know, what a great recruiting tool to have the number one basketball team in the nation playing at the Tommy Bowl, and you can bring some recruits there and to see what it's all about. I know. I think that's actually a really good point. And, you know, when, when basketball is doing well like that, because, you know, all the basketball fans are big football fans anyway, right? So if, mm-hmm. if, if they're bringing, you know, hopefully they brought some of those studs that were in, in town this weekend. Hopefully they brought them over for that game. And then you're hearing people – I'd love to hear if maybe people were at the game and they saw the recruits there because I know we used to get those kind of updates. Like I remember one, I think with Drew Richmond when he was at a basketball. There game. was a uh, there was a post in it. Powell, I, I I think you may have commented in it, but I saw the post earlier. Uh, guy actually got a couple of shots. One of needs. Oh, he disconnected. So we'll just keep going. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear if you know that if that did anything, because I think in the past Thompson bowling has really done a good job with some of these football recruits. So, and obviously you hear the, uh, the announcers like Dick Vitale talking about, Oh, Philip Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt, you know, he's talking about all that. I mean, that's just free recruiting, uh, yes. you know, when Tennessee's number one in the country. So that's exciting. And let's go into that as well. I mean, Tennessee number one in the country and everybody's kicking and screaming. They still want Duke and, Virginia and Michigan and Michigan state to be up there. They don't, I feel like they still don't want to fully give Tennessee credit. Um, and, uh, that's unfortunate PTC vols back. Thanks for getting back here, man. So we're just kind of getting into doing well. Yeah, no, he's crushing it. And it just, I know we talked about, does it feel like 98 yet? It's starting to feel like it when you start to feel the good vibes kind of everywhere, right? You're, you're getting guys like Corvaris Crouch now, and you've got Tennessee basketball ring no, uh, country, so it's really cool. GT, I know you and um, Bleed Orange are here in Georgia with me. You guys probably follow the Braves and listen to 92.9 The Game. And this is something that I thought about earlier today because I heard it on the radio, and I kind of related it back to what we have now. Um, we brought back Brian Snicker in, for the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos, double-A, um, is making some moves in the offseason for the Braves. And the 92-9, the game guys were talking about, you know, some of the attitudes around the clubhouse and some of the moves they're making are typical, you know, old guard Braves with Bobby Cox and John Scherholz. Uh, and, you know, kind of doing that kind of thing. Well, you know, that only ended up getting the Braves in Atlanta one World Series win, a bunch of division championships, but, you know, we're here to win the whole thing. Um, with Phil and as the uh, as the head coach, we got one national championship, a couple of East Division titles, maybe a couple of SEC championships. 
I'm worried about if Phil is kind of getting back into that same kind of thing or if he's taking a different approach to it. And if he is, can he also set it up to where whoever the next AD is that's coming in is going to be able to have even greater success? Because that's what the guys on 929 the game were. And it may be a stretch of a comparison or a stretch of a corollary, but it's just kind of the same typical mindset that I worry about creeping back into the uh, program. So if we can get back to at least 98 levels and then maybe take that next step and supplant, you know, Bama, supplant Georgia, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think you're – I think you're – oh, go ahead, Powell. You had something you are going to say? No, go ahead. Okay, no, I, 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 I saw your microphone go up, so I didn't know if you were talking. But, no, I, I feel I to an extent I maybe um, – I can see you're coming from PTC, but the other side of it, I think you look at, like, the coaching staff, for instance – and the dollar amount that they're putting at this. I think that's the difference now where you're saying, how do they get to the next level? When you you have Cheney as I guess he's the number one paid OC in the country now. You bring him back, you know, all the buffets in, in East Tennessee are going to start, you know, the pumps getting sweaty, but that's a whole other thing. But uh, you bring him in, especially from an East, an East rival. I mean, think about that. Think about David Cutcliffe going to Florida back in the day or something like, I mean, this, and maybe that's a bad comparison, but I mean, to be able to take away those guys, what, what Pruitt has done taking away some of the defensive guys from Georgia and their recruiting ties that first year and then bringing Mm -hmm. Cheney over. Cheney is a very good developer of an offense and of quarterbacks. That's going to hurt them next year. They still have athletes, so they'll be good, but I think that's going to hurt them. So I like some of the moves that Fulmer's making long-term. We'll see. I'd love to see him here long-term. I hope this isn't a one- or two-year gig and then he's gone. Hopefully it's long-term. Well, what do you think, Bleed? What, we, what we've got to have is continuity. Uh, I don't know if you guys read Selena Summer's book yet, but I have uh, I have read it a couple of times through, especially uh, reading certain interviews. And the overarching theme that's threaded throughout the entire book is continuity of leadership. I mean, I think we had like five ADs. Uh, we've had four head coaches, something like six or seven presidents, uh, same number of chancellors. You cannot have any type of foundation with that constant moving of your top leadership in and out of positions. And if you, if you want to build something that's going to be fantastic, you've got to almost take the Bama model and the Stanford model, look at the uh, Georgia model, look at p- programs that have great AD, coach, chancellor, president relationships, and make sure that they're not only strong, but share the same vision. That's a good point. And something else, how many strength and conditioning coaches we had in the last oh, you know, four, five or six years? I mean, we've had what, one every year just about, it seems like. Yep. So, and, and that's yeah. a, I think I think that's your – second most important person besides the head coach, you know, um, as far as the player development and just um, being around somebody they know more than just one year. Well, and okay. So tell me this then, you know, to that point, I kind of think it's a sham that, you know, strength and conditioning coach is such a a priority because goodness gracious, it feels like we keep getting guys with higher credentials under Butch when he was here. And they were terrible strength and conditioning wise. So I, I, you know, everyone's got all these crazy accolades. I just, I want the consistency. I mean, what makes a good strength and conditioning coach is he, because he's on, 
Red Bull and vodka all day or what is like he's crazy or he you know has crazy stories or he's just jacked up all the time like what what makes these guys good because you have like a rock Olson or whatever and maybe he didn't have enough time to do anything but yeah I don't, think I don't so. know you know maybe I'm running in circles on that one but I well um like um when we had Dave Lawson we I, I felt like we were as a team we were pretty physical and strong and um that I believe it was what I guess the second or third year. It seems like we uh, when we were, when we played, you know, Alabama really tough and stuff. And we just looked like we were as physical as them. And you know, I don't know how he was personality wise. I don't know if he was a screamer or if he was just a laid back, you know, kind of a guy or whatever. And and I don't, you know, I don't personally know what would what makes, um, you know, those guys. If those what if if being loud and obnoxious and all that, if that makes them better you know i don't know bleed orange i know you went through a strength and conditioning program in your day doing you know, track could you maybe speak to as an athlete what would get you going the rah-rah or the i'm gonna kill you if you don't do this well i think ultimately uh, back in my day we didn't have uh anybody like a rock out there i don't think at Furman. um you know, a lot of them, actually, a lot of my uh, strength stuff was um, my, my own self-motivation and my desire to, to succeed and uh, understanding that if I didn't do it, you know, the people I was going to compete against were doing it. So I, I damn well better. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, it's, it's great. I think it is important to have uh, people in place. Uh, PTC was talking about, you know, we've all been talking about continuity, uh, I think is really important. And, and it does help going through the weight training grind to maintain and to develop the right mentality, the, the way you attack things. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we have seen with, I think, going back to the question about Fulmer, uh, you know, one of the things that if he understands anything, he could see during his tenure having Cutcliffe at Tennessee, then Cutcliffe leaves, then Cutcliffe comes back. And, you know, you saw quarterback development, how the offense functioned, how great it was under Cutcliffe. He left, things kind of tailed off. He comes back immediately. The quarterbacks get better. And um, and and then he had, you know, the cloth come in and. If there's anything I think that Fulmer has learned is the importance of uh, continuity. Um, I think he also understood during his tenure how he had support from the athletic director and once and the president of the university. And once some of those dynamics changed, things weren't quite the same at Tennessee. And I, I believe that really what he's been doing, what I'm hearing a lot, is that he's giving Jeremy Pruitt what he wants. And Jeremy Pruitt has come here from Alabama. He's been at Georgia, Florida State. He's been, I'm not going to say that he's been at successful programs. He's been at other successful programs like Tennessee, has been. And he's trying to uh, bring that model to Tennessee. So uh, I think that what Fulmer probably as much as anything he's made himself, I know he's made himself aware uh, to prove it as a resource, uh, as a first time head coach and dealing with alumni and things of that nature. Uh, but at this point, I think that he is there 
very much in a supportive role and giving Jeremy Pruitt what he wants, which is very, very important. But he still meddles in the offensive line. No, you I'm just okay couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, your computer is like rattling when you talk, so I don't know if it's in your lap. I know it's not your regular setup, but just letting you know. Um, so in this small house, it just it's it not is a tiny house. house. Yes, um, <laughs> we're trying to just a, <laughs> go ahead, Powell. Just to add on to that continuity, you know, as a team and everything, has since Barnes has been here, has he have have we lost any coaches like assistant coaches? I know obviously Lanier has been here with him the whole time, but has anybody? I don't, I don't, I can't remember of any other coaches leaving. I think there was rumblings of somebody maybe leaving, but it never happened. And it was a big, it was a big yeah. win for Barnes. And that's a good point because that's been one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently too, is what, what are the roles of some of these offense or excuse me, some of these, you know, additional coaches on the staff for Barnes, you know, who are they working with specifically? I'd love for maybe Rob Lewis to do a deep dive into, you know, the different aspects of the other coaches. Cause we all know the football coaches, what they all do. Now, what do some of these other guys do? Cause I don't know specifically, um, yeah. you know, not that they don't do anything. It's just, you'd love to hear how maybe it's not all Barnes developing them. These guys are working in the gym with these guys all the time. So uh, well, I think part of, I think part of that loyalty to Barnes comes from the fact that Barnes has been, you know, offered raises and things like that. And he, and he's really, you know, he, he's not, he's got all the money he needs. You know, Rick Barnes isn't hurting for money. And there have been times that I know and I recall it being reported how he for, you know, he, he decided to forego any kind of a raise and let the money go to the assistants. So that's Rick Barnes's style. He's a good man. He recognizes that he can't do this alone. And he really and truly has a kind of a heart that wants to recognize those around him who are making the whole team and, and his team a success. And I can't remember I can't remember who all came from Texas with him, but I remember one of the you know, one of the things at Texas was they were wanting him if they were gonna if he was gonna stay there, they were wanting him to get rid of some of the some of the co assistant coaches and he wouldn't get rid of them. And right. um and so, you know, I don't I can't I don't remember how many how many came here with him, but that was just showing loyalty there to his assistant coaches and just um, saying these are my guys, and if I'm going to go down, I'm going down with them. Yeah, I mean, it and, looks like Lanier, Chris Ogden, and Desmond Oliver um, were his initial coaches. And I think Desmond Oliver right. went somewhere else, I believe. I think after his first year here, is that or is he still here? Seems like he went somewhere after his first year or something like that. I don't know. Let's see if he's still on here. Did you guys see no, them? Still, he's still here on the staff. Okay, okay. He's got the same three guys all season, so that's okay. good. Did you guys see the article that was uh, posted, a uh, link was provided, about somebody with Burnt Orange Nation at Texas, and they're talking about Jocka Smart and how, I mean, it was – Jocka Smart? It, is, that, like, is, that, that, is that like Waka Flocka Flames brother or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they uh, were just after the basketball coach down there, and – you know, at the very end of the article, they're putting forth all these reasons why things are failing there and why they need to move on and all that. And, and it was really some pretty funny stuff. Uh, but obviously, the guy's big Longhorn fan is pretty bitter. And at the very tail end of the article, you kept wondering, is he going to say something about Rick Barnes? When, when is he going to pull the trigger on that? At the very end of the article, he said, 
And what's really great is I just got these two feeds on whatever it was he was watching. And the first one was the Texas losing 65 to 61 to some known name team. And the next one was number one, Tennessee beats Vanderbilt. <laughs> and then his, his ending line was, it's a great time to be alive or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. No, it's funny. I mean, uh, and we want to we want to thank the University of Texas, also known as UT mm-hmm. Junior, for what they did. Um, and that's that's honestly, you kind of look at again, maybe a bad parallel, but you look at University of Tennessee in football when they wanted to get rid of Fulmer, got rid of Fulmer, and think they could get an up and coming, you know, the next hot name that's out there. And, and sometimes it's a crapshoot. Shaka Smart played. You know, that's what that's one of those things you play for the tournament. You know, they didn't really play anyone very difficult in the regular season. And then you got VCU getting out there in the tournament and pressing people and going 150 mm-hmm. you know, miles an hour and upsetting teams. And it's like you don't have to play well for 30 games. You play well for three or four games, you know, and you peak at the right time. And again, you know, he coached those teams and they, they gave him the fat contract to Texas. So kudos to him. He's recruited to Texas, had all the players that you could have and he still hasn't really done anything with it. So, again, thank you, uh, UT Junior, for, for giving us Rick Barnes because um, yes. it's just uh, – again, I, I think kind of bringing all this discussion together, it really has helped out not just the basketball program but the entire university, um, especially football, just the energy, positive energy going back and forth. So, um, it's really neat to see. And uh, one of the things we all remember is how universally welcomed Rick Barnes was to the Tennessee community. Yes. Um, and in fact, many, 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 many would have rather taken Chocolaka Boom Boom Smart over I retirement. Like retirement Rick. I mean, we've even got a guy on the, the board. His name is Retirement Rick Barnes. <laughs> yeah. So. Sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes this, the coaches just don't work out. I mean, we hired. We hired Dave Serrano, which was a cannot miss oh baseball gosh. coach. That's such a good and point. He, and he just – I don't have no idea what happened here, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work. But just, you know, and I it's, I can't hardly fault Texas for, you know, firing Barnes or whatever whatever happened there, quit, whatever. Um, I mean, they were just – they just – it's kind of the way we were with Fulmer in a way where everybody just wanted to move on. Right. And so I can't – and, We're doing and, better with retirement, Rick, than Social Security, Serrano. Yeah, <laughs> I like but, it. Uh, but you know, and then you know, then Texas hiring Shaka Smart, and it's and that looked like a great hire, but right. for whatever reason, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how that works, but it's it's neat to seeing a coach that everybody thought was done with come back and and build a program in a short amount of time. In my in my opinion as well, um, to get Tennessee as the number one team in the country when I don't know that first season, they won 15 or 16 games, maybe 16 games, I think. And now a a number of years later with those same players. And I think that's what it speaks to is the development. It's not like he's come in and brought in a a top, you know, Zion Williamson, but he's made a Grant Williams, you know, Grant was, I think a, a four star, not necessarily ranked super high, but, um, he wasn't going to a Duke or North Carolina. He could have gone to the Harvards of the world, but you know he's developed Williams. He's developed Schofield. I mean, Schofield. Everybody knows his story. And then you look at guys like Lamonte Turner and and you know Jordan Bone and, and Bowden. 
and even you know to an extent Fulkerson, I think he's you know coming back here, and Alexander, even though I hate on him, but goodness, you go up and down that roster, and then you keep finding more people that are like, you know, what, that's a pretty solid dang basketball player, and that's what I really love about this Barnes team is is what he, how he's developed them. Pearl's teams were always really exciting, but you felt like they would be high one game and then low another or something like that. It just felt like it was kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> like if we could out hustle them or out press them or whatever. But in this, this team is, I feel like Tennessee, they're like an anaconda and they're just squeezing you and squeezing you and squeezing you. Now when Tennessee doesn't do that, they can get beat pretty quickly. But when they re- remember like, Hey, get it to Williams down low, you know, get it to uh, Alexander for his little jump shot that he's got work the ball around, push it on, you know, fast breaks and play good defense. They're a pretty dang good team. And I mean, they're 18, you know, 18 and one right now. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, this week in, in basketball, obviously two games. You had the kind of, I don't want to say trap game, but you had after Tennessee's officially ranked the number one team in the country, they go at, you know, to Nashville at Vanderbilt. I think we all said that Tennessee was going to win. I think that's what we were um, – we we figured out on, on the pod quest here, but really a tough game. Tennessee wins 88-83 in overtime, and I think I ran out of fingernails to chew. I was so nervous that entire right. game. Um, Vandy didn't necessarily shoot incredible from three-point, but they had – Yeah, they did. No, they were 10-21. I dude, looked they, – Dude, in the first half, they were yeah. something like 65-70%. Well, okay. Shot, so. so I think they were at one point, I think they were 7-8, of eight, and that's why we got down big time. So I'm trying to look at the first half to, to debunk it. Uh, um, no, I mean, look, okay, let's say that – all right, we'll say they shot incredible in the first half. My point being is Tennessee was up by one in the first half. So it's not like they're down by 15. They're up by one. You know, they could have had the game. So if, if Vandy didn't – or shot well in the first half and didn't shoot well, how the heck did they outscore Tennessee by one in the second half? Again, I think that – what happened there was some guys were playing a little bit over their heads. Uh, obviously, the rest of the team didn't really play as well. And when you're kind of force feeding someone like Williams, when the guys got 43 points, or I mean, you know, getting two 43 points and all the free throws and stuff, he just becomes. I mean, you just keep feeding the guy the freaking ball, right? Um, but it's like I thought Vandy. The, the difference in the game, yes, they did shoot well from three. But the way that their offense was, more specifically around, they, they would get the ball to the top of the key, and they would have a couple of different reads off of the guy at the, at the elbow. He, he could either – Yeah, double elbow. Or somebody taking a, a back cut. There was just – they were spreading Tennessee out, and that's what got me really nervous because Tennessee could not follow that action that they were doing. And that led to a, a lot of wide-open threes or else a lot of shots around the basket, like very easy shots for Vandy. So – that was that was tough to see. Um, but one, it, of the, one of the things that Barnes spoke to with that, I mean, as we, we talked about it even before the podcast. Obviously, last during the football season, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was clearly tuning into the pod quest here and uh, making true. adjustments on the field uh, because we would say it here and then he'd come up and in his, uh, his press conferences and, and on the field would see the results. So it's clearly that was the case. And last uh, last Sunday, we mentioned how uh, Tennessee's offense, they, they seem to have become enamored with offense, and they were kind of backing down on the defensive end of things. 
And sure enough, here comes Rick Barnes <laughs> at the beginning of the week saying the exact same thing. So, uh, Coach Barnes, we appreciate your listening. Want to give you a shout out here on the podcast tonight. Yes. Um, but um, we'll make sure to tag you as well, Coach. We we also made the comment about uh, Schofield uh, kind of struggling a little bit and how uh, we were going to need Schofield to pick things up if this team was going to accomplish what it needed to accomplish as well as Lamonte. And uh, obviously uh, Grant just saved the team right. <laughs> by himself. Uh, it was great to see Lamonte come back uh, yesterday and Schofield maybe showed a little hint. I mean, he does is one of those guys who affects the game in a lot of ways with his rebounding and defense. Uh, but uh, it's good to see him show a little life. The spacing on the court against Vanderbilt, man, that field, it looked like they were on a football field instead of a, a, a basketball court. It's and, weird. All right, so I, I, was, I, I got a question for you guys. Sorry, sorry to interrupt here. So you made a point that kind of got me thinking here, Bleed Orange. So Schofield, you know, 30 minutes had six points. He was actually supposed to get – he was 0 for 6 from 3. He was supposed to get that final shot at the end of – um, regulation and yep. run the replay of him looking at you know Williams and saying like come on like he, he was that wasn't like that was a really pissed off face and they kept zooming in on his face and you could tell he was very bothered by it now I know there's this peanut butter and jelly thing and I'm not trying to cause drama or chaos but do you think with the emergence of Williams really <laughs> playing out of this world the past few games and kind of carrying the team and Schofield shooting so poorly. I mean, he was, he was the guy. So it's great to be the guy that's hitting all the shots against Gonzaga and then saying, no, I'm second fiddle to Grant Williams. But now when you're not even in the spotlight or even close to it and in Williams is running with it, is there some jealousy there? Um, or am I, I don't looking- say why there should be simply because who's the reigning sec player of the year. I mean, maybe Schofield thought it was his time. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you guys. I mean, is no it? No one would have thought that. No one would have had any thought whatsoever at the beginning of the season that Grant Williams was going to have any drop off at all. You know, maybe this was a maybe this was just a one time thing. I mean, if you look at the replay and then you go back and look at some of the VFL camera crew uh, that they put up VFL films, Barnes is getting into. Uh, Williams when he's coming back to the sideline. Oh, he yeah. is lighting him up. And I don't know, maybe Grant was thinking he could take it but or saw something. We don't know what went through his mind. Obviously, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Uh, another case in point, you know, Bowden's dunk on the inbounds play. That was supposed to go to Grant. Oh, my gosh. Did that, or, wait, was and, that a number one top play? And Bone made a decision, uh-uh, I got this. And it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, he get, Barnes gives his guys some leeway. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, Barnes is all over him. So well, maybe it's more of the way Admiral saw the play unfolding. He didn't think that was a good shot for Grant to take. And obviously, being that it got blocked, it wasn't. But is there long-term impact here, like as far as – no a jealousy thing or it's in his mind now, you know, no, 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 no. These, these guys are a team and they realize exactly that not every guy is going to be hot every, every night. 
And one of the things we have seen out of this team is that uh, at different times, different guys have stepped up. I mean, earlier in the year, right, sure, Grant was doing fine, but but uh, Schofield was was lighting things up more. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was fun to see. And uh, he's just taking a little step back here, and maybe he'll get that. I'm sure he'll get that all back together again. But, uh, yeah, these guys are too much of a team, and they, they're too mature and, uh, to let anything uh, like these, like w- what you're mentioning, son, bother them. And uh, I really think that when Grant got the ball on the inbound, he realized that for just a second there, he had a bit of indecision about what to do. But he also had 2.1 seconds or something like that. Um, I understand yeah, Barnes. Like three seconds. He, he, he could dribble and all that stuff. Well, I understand Barnes you know, said you're supposed to pass it. But you know, when you look at the replay, um, Schofield wasn't exactly wide open for him to pass it over to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, maybe we're supposed to do that and run the offense, but there's no guarantee that Schofield, especially the way he'd shot in that game, that he's going to knock down a long three. Right. Well, well, let me ask you this. Here's another perspective and something I've thought about. We know that Schofield has been struggling. Perhaps Barnes drew up the play for Schofield to make a shot, and hopefully if he makes it, get some confidence. Grant taking the shot took that opportunity away from Schofield. Maybe that's why he was pissed. Well, that's what I'm saying, man. This is oh, yeah. my point here is – this was a chance because Schofield is the one that's made the big shots, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, this is his chance to kind of redeem himself. They believe in him, And, and especially in, in basketball, you pass to the passer on those out of bounds plays. It typically, it doesn't go to the first guy. It's typically meant for like the guy that passes the ball in that the plays typically run for him. So, I mean, I knew it was supposed to go to Schofield the whole time, whole time and I think Schofield got his, his hopes up. And also, I don't think he's playing – Powell, what do you think, man? I don't think he is playing his brand of basketball. He's fallen in love with the jump shot. He's a great driver. Schofield is a great driver. Or maybe the lanes aren't there, but, again, if I'm over you know, blowing this, let me know. But I, I just – I think it's in his head at the moment. I think maybe there's a bit of jealousy – and I think that uh, he needs to drive the ball more and stop shooting just jumpers all the time. He's a fat. He's a quick player. What yeah. If there's anything, I think there's if there's anything in Admiral's mind right now, it's that he's struggling, and he just seems like a type of guy that he just hates to play bad. Like he feels right. bad that he just hates to play Good bad. Point. And and I think he's just I think he's just pushing it right now instead of letting the game come to him and just forcing some stuff because um, he just. You know, he, you, you take the good with the bad with him. There's right. going to be games where he just lights it up, and there's going to be other games where he just struggles because he shoots he shoots the ball a lot. And, yeah, he takes some bad shots, but, you know, he's made a lot of bad shots, you know, right. shots that, you you know, that probably shouldn't have been taken. He's made them. And right. so he, he just is who he is. And But I don't – I really don't think there's anything with him and Grant going on there. No, I don't think um, so either. Well, yeah. I, I don't think that I – and I understand the idea of trying to give somebody an opportunity, maybe at redemption, because he's been hitting these big shots at the end of games and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's – son, you know, if, you know, you played high school basketball and stuff, and I remember one time, you know, I mean, there's just times when you really feel it and, and you know it's going to go in, and other times, you know, you have a game like he had, and, 
you're, you're hoping it's going to go in when you let it go versus you know it's going to go in. And I don't think he was in the know it category. And I, I mean, son, I remember that game. You had six points. You're just on fire. Oh, thank and, you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That was, actually, that was in garbage time, by the way, too. So that was, that was when I was a junior in high school, and my coach put me in against number one Wheeler. And I had six points, including an and one, which we were down like 103 to like, it was like 78. And I made the layup and the guy elbowed me in the head and I made it and it got the and one. And I went and one and I did like flex and everything. And we, you know, we had no chance of coming back, but um, I was excited. But uh, yes, I, I exploded for six points. And I also exploded, by the way, dad, for six points in, um, in a tournament up at Cass High School, and they put me in the local paper. And it, it, the words were a uh, 6-0 run by Chris Anderson, by the way. Right. Pretty cool. So anyway, <laughs> but I digress. So thank you. I, I, I have to relive my basketball glory days at some point. But no, I, again, I, I think I, I think this is an interesting discussion, but obviously at the end of the day, Schofield's not playing up to what he used to play. And I know he brought it together a little bit. Let's kind of look at the, the West Virginia game. You know, you kind of have that letdown at, at Vandy, but you still win, still number one in the country, 17-1 and one going up against West Virginia, who actually had a really good win the, uh, the game before. So they're coming in feeling good. They hit us in the mouth. They're up by 12 in the first half. Um, how, does ten- how does Tennessee turn that thing around down by 12? And now <laughs> their point differential was – what is that? Uh, 18 points, which is, you know, pretty, or excuse me. No, it's actually 30 points. So they're down by, um, or 29 points, excuse me. They win by 17. So win 66, 83, um, led by Lamonte Turner. Actually, we haven't talked about some of the other guys. I know we talked about Williams and Schofield. What do you guys think about the others, the Bowdens, the Turners? Uh, I'll pass that to you PTC to start. Man. You know, Turner last year was the SEC Sixth Man of the Year. Now he's worked his way into the starting lineup. Uh, took yeah, that was weird. Place. Did what was that? So he who's he took Pons's place. Yep, and look at what he's been able to do. I mean, he's been able to hit some shots that are you know contested. You know, some big time contested threes. He's distributing the ball well. He's playing good defense. Um, Bowden, you know, boned. Those guys are just really doing some good things. That you know, where I worry is Fulky. You know, what are we getting out of him? Um, you know, it looks like Barnes is probably rotating Derek Walker in to see if maybe right. that he can take his minutes. But neither one of them stepped up to really provide much of anything, um, which means that we need everybody else to step up and right. make it happen. And no, but those the guys good. around Grant and Admiral, yep. they really are playing high high level basketball. Do you think that? Uh, Turner's a better um, on the ball defender because he was picking guys up full court. Better defender than Bone. Bone's quicker than Turner, um, but I think the overall game for Turner is better. Yeah, I think that's been one of our tough uh, things over the past couple of weeks. Is yeah, we have been winning uh, games, but the defense has been a little bit off, and I think. You see Pons has been taking people uh, full court when he was starting. And then you had Turner taking people full court. And you don't see Bone doing it. I'm not saying Bone's a bad defender. I just 
have noticed over the past few games, he's not pulling people up full court. You've got Turner out there. You got Pons out there. I mean, a six, six guy taking the guy full court, <laughs> which yep. is pretty interesting. So um, I, I think it's an interesting wrinkle from Barnes. Um, and, and, you know, what does this mean long-term? I love Turner's energy. Um, you know, Powell, what do you think, man? Do you think Turner's going to stay in the starting lineup moving forward? Or is this just kind of a, an experiment? I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's an, it's an experiment or something like that. I just wonder if maybe there was some sort of matchup thing where he, right. where Turner, Turner was a better matchup just yeah. in that, in that game versus whoever Pons would have been guarding or whatever. And, and right. so it, it's, it's sort of going forward, just would like to see what happens next. If Turner starts the next game, if they go back the way they were, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I don't, um, as far as, uh, as far as, I first bone. I think bone plays really good defense, uh-huh. and um, and he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of steals, but you also don't see him show up in a negative way on the defensive end as much. But right. I mean, like you know, what I'm saying like you know, he you don't see guys blowing by him all that much, and, sure. and stuff like that. So you know, sometimes not showing up means you're doing your job, right? But and That's a good and, point. and and you know defense you don't have to be the fastest guy the quickest guy to play defense you know guys who have really good defensive instincts um like um you know chris lofton um he had a ton of steals here and he when we all know he wasn't a very quick guy um obviously quick enough but he had very good defensive instincts and he could you know read passing lanes good just stuff like that so but i i think bone is a good defender not the best on the team I think Bowden's probably the best on the team. But, oh, yeah. um, We're not even Bone, talking about him. Bone kind of actually had an off game against West Virginia. I mean, he, he made some mistakes that were really uncharacteristic of his play. He's been so solid. But, man, he was, he was a little shaky. And I think it's really important for Turner. You, he's a good ball handler. He can come down at the one and uh, and give uh, Bone some relief. I You know, Bone's been playing a lot of minutes. And we need somebody who can uh, bring that ball down the court. And those aren't the only two who can do it, really. But I think they're the most proficient. And uh, and I agree with Powell. I, I think that some of this, what we're seeing, could very well be a matchup situation and what he thinks is going to work best for the team that we're playing. Um, but we we still – I mean, Bowden's coming in. He's playing well. Pons is, is – seems like he continues to fade, and uh, mm-hmm. which – surprising because he, he started out strong this year, but he, he just doesn't seem to be handling the, the situation very well at this point. I thought, well, um, I thought, I thought, uh, just real quick, I thought yeah. uh, I was, when I thought Barnes was going to send Bone straight to the locker room when he tried that behind the back pass. Oh, oh, yep. it, <laughs> man, I, I was just like, oh, I was really like worried what was about to happen. Because I thought he was just gonna kill him for doing that, and it was it wasn't even like um I don't mind those sort of things, but he he threw it. It was like four guys standing there. I mean, there was nobody was gonna catch it. Period. And so, it was, but anyway, I just <laughs> I just throwing that out there. I thought I thought um, I thought Barnes was gonna kill him. If I may, that he may be experienced with a smaller experimenting thumb with a smaller lineup beyond just the matchup situation is going back to Fulke and, and Walker. You know, what are we getting out of those guys? What's going to happen with this team if Alexander goes down? <laughs> you yeah. know, 
Now what do you do? Wow. Um, so you really put that out there in the universe tonight, huh? Yeah. I mean, wow. All right. If it yeah, happens, this is like we're going to pull them through when you call me on those games. Not really. Wow. For years, you wouldn't let me say those words for football. And how bad have they been? How bad have they been? <laughs> really? But, you know, I mean, going down could be fouling out of a game or what, you know, a big game or – you know, he hurt his ankle last year against Loyola, and that really hurt us. His, his not being there really hurt that team. All right, stop it. <laughs> no, I know, I know. So, yeah, son, my son's just – this is like fingernails on a chalkboard to him. But I think I – But so no, I, I, Yeah, go those ahead. Are, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, my, here's, my, here's my question, all right. You've got – Pons has faded. And, yeah, there might be a time where – Maybe, maybe potentially you're not going to have all these guys out, out on the court. Something happens, rest or injury or whatever. But it's like you need – Pons obviously was doing something to warrant the playing time that he had, and Bowden wasn't playing well. I think you keep Bowden, you know, on, on the bench to start. You got to get – you got to give Pons a good solid eight to ten minutes in the first half. You got to give him a solid, you know, time in the second half to, to try to do something. You got to – Give the guy run a play for him. I mean, he was making threes early in the season. He they were throwing alley oops to him, and now he's not even getting an opportunity to take shots for, for someone that athletic. Um, there, there, you'd have to be able to if they're if they're drawing up plays for Fulkerson to get that little lefty hook in the in the um, in the paint. I don't know how they can't. Yeah, I don't know how they can't draw up some plays uh, for Pons. He just, I don't think he is lost out there. They're just not making him a you know, a, a key part of the offense, which is unfortunate because you're losing a lot of athleticism because they already got him on the outside at like the three point line. He's not in there to, to offensive rebound. So you've got to do something. Um, so anyway, I, you know, my question to you guys is, you know, is this here to stay? You're starting to see a six man, seven man rotation. Is that where we're going to get towards, you know, as we get closer to March? Um, where he's really going to cut down. You know, you won't see Folky, you won't see Walker, you won't even see Pons. You're just going to be Bowden, Bone, Turner, Schofield, Williams, Alexander. What do you guys think? I think it depends on the the, the game itself, the situation. Um, I think they we really need to get Pons and Walker and Folky in there as much as possible. As long as we're in control of the game and everything's going fine, you got to play those guys. Uh, just to give your, you know, your starters and, and Bowden the rest. Um, but it, I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think Pons has played bad necessarily. It should, he, he just looks like a guy that's out there thinking too much instead of just playing the game. Um, like he's like worried about making a mistake or right. something. Um, but, you know, he just needs, he just needs a good game. I think to kind of you know break the ice with whatever he's funk he's going through right now. Right, right, yeah, and it's it's funny being eighteen and one the Tennessee is, and you've and you've got some what we feel are question marks. <laughs> you know, Pons, mm-hmm. who was a starter, isn't doing well, and then you've got Schofield, who's kind of had some off shooting nights. But again, against he, he was fourteen and ten against Tennessee, or excuse me, against West Virginia. So not terrible for Schofield. Um, kind of re- let's look at anything else in the West Virginia game, or do we want to look at maybe the schedule next few games coming up? I want to just throw let's something out there. Game coming up. One thing to throw out there too is that you know we've talked about um, it, it started once as soon as Tennessee got to be number one. 
the old thing, well, okay, you know, we're going to uh, get everybody's best game. And, and these guys have played top teams. They played Kentucky. They know what it's like to be the underdog uh, last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, this whole last season, they were predicted to be last in the league, and they end up, you know, winning the championship. Good champions, um, yeah. Yeah, so our, our guys know what it's like to be down. They know what it's like to be up. Um, but so you look at the Tennessee basketball team, and you look at their maturity and the upperclassmen and things like that, but there are still not, you know, you are talking about a team which is made up of individuals. And maybe not every individual is – comfortable with the idea that they are playing on the number one team in the country. Um, and some of the individuals on the team, I don't know if this is the kind of thing that uh, affects a Pons or, or any of the other players. Uh, most of the guys that, that are in there performing well, we look at and feel like they're, you know, they're handling it well, but uh, you know, some of them may be cracking a little bit personally under the, uh, the idea that they're on the number one team. And now I've got to play like it. And it's just, instead of just going out and playing ball. Right. Right. Yeah. I think some of them, you know, you got to be able to play loose and it's hard to carry. I mean, it is hard. There's one thing saying like, Oh, we're going to have the bullseye on our back, but literally you have to grind this out every single game now. And as you're seeing, Alabama's given the best shot Vandy, West Virginia, even I I, I know it's 83, 66, but that still felt like a a close game for a little while there. So Mm -hmm. you are looking at five games here, the next five games, you get to play South Carolina twice, which is kind of nice, but I think they're kind of coming on a little bit. Not that they're a good team, but they'll play you hard at South Carolina. You know, that place will be rocking with all 2,000 of their fans. But um, <laughs> you, know, you got two away games. You got out South Carolina at Texas A&M. Then you got Quanzo coming, you know, into town and then Florida coming into town. So it's you got an interesting five-game uh, run before you play at Kentucky, which is going to be the big, you know, headliner, you know, quick question for everybody does Tennessee going to, excuse me, going to Kentucky 23 and one, or do they have a board yeah. somewhere? Uh, I think the dangerous, most dangerous game is, is the LSU game. That'd be the one I think that. But that's, that's later was. on. So you got South Carolina, Texas A&M. Those are both away. LSU was coming up before uh, nope. Kentucky. Missouri, okay. Florida, South Carolina, and then Kentucky. So you play South Carolina twice. You play at A and M, and then you have two home games versus Florida, Missouri. I haven't. I have not paid attention to A and M at all, so I don't know. Anything They're not very good. They're terrible. They're not very good. Yeah. Yeah. They who they they lost to somebody. Well, oh. you know, Vandy was zero and five in the conference. We That's never right. lost to them. That's that a good point. True. That's a really good point. But uh, I think we can't take on, on the road. You just can't take any. You got to you got to bring your A game every right. when, you, when you play on the road. I mean, it's just you you don't get you don't get the calls. You're not going to get a you're not going to get a phantom walk in the last five seconds of the game. Um, right. I mean, just no, that stuff does not go your way on the road. Right. And again, these guys they played. They've had a pretty kind of difficult schedule. Honestly, they you know they lost by. 11 to Michigan at Michigan. They lost to UVA at home by 17, which is kind of rough, but uh, they beat Mississippi state at home by five. They, you know, they beat the fighting Quanzos and then they beat Auburn at home as well by three. So they've got to, you know, South Carolina kind of gets me a little nervous, but uh, you know, if I, if there were one for me to circle, it'd be this next game against South Carolina. If they win that, I think that they'll win the next five. So, 
Bleed Orange, what do you think? You think they're going to go five and zero? I think they've got a chance to do that, and maybe probably the biggest reason I think that is because um, they did find their defense uh, yesterday, and uh, they were starting to lock things down a lot better. I, I think one of the things that that was really odd at Vanderbilt, like I said, it looked like they're playing on dead gum football field, but. Vanderbilt had spread the court out offensively, and they did some good jobs of getting some screens and scrapes and getting guys, you know, some matchups uh, on Grant. And uh, so they they had a pretty good game plan, but our guys were, were playing, and I think Barnes mentioned this uh, in an interview, that we were playing our guys too closely off ball. And uh, so we were not putting ourselves in position to come in and help like we should have been. And uh, fortunately, it looked like they got that uh, squared away in the next game. So that that's good news. And defense travels. No, it's good. It's it's exciting to again be asking if Tennessee's going to be twenty three and one or not. Um, <laughs> so that's that's really fun. Go basketballs. We'll we'll talk basketballs next week. Um, kind of changing gears here a little bit. An interesting recruiting weekend with Tennessee bringing in a couple of I don't want to say mysterious. You know, recruits 2020 guy Zachary Evans and one of his teammates from Houston. You know, Zachary Evans, if you don't know, is a big time, you know, five star running back. I think he's number two in the country uh, overall, which is pretty cool. And he said uh, that it changed his mind uh, visiting Tennessee. It really kind of opened his eyes, which is awesome. You've got uh, Joe Quavius Marks, and I hope I said that correctly. Another running back 2020, Joachim Green. Uh, who's the defensive tackle commit to South Carolina. He's a 2019 guy. And then um, I believe Mr. Cooper Mays was visiting as well. Anybody want to tackle any of those subjects? PTC, I know you're excited about the Cooper Mays one. Um, I'm going to talk about Zachary Evans visiting. You know, I forgot who it was that put a thread up. I think it was earlier this week or maybe even last week. Talk about, you know, it'd be great to have a five-star running back. So that was the win. Was Georgia. it when can I start? It could have been, but uh, yeah. you know, Georgia seems to bring in a stable of running backs that are five stars every year, and it'd be nice for us to bring in somebody like that. And he is the number one running back in his class, so he's going to be a five star. It would be nice to get him uh, on campus again for a for an official visit, keep him interested, and see exactly what we're building here. But we've got to do something with our offensive line. Um, Having Jaquavius, I can't remember what his last name is. Uh, I think it was Jaquavius Marks, maybe. Um, no, he's the other running back that came in. And a couple of the, that offensive lineman that's committed to uh, Ohio State come in as well. Uh, seeing the kind of people that we're fishing for, right. I'm really excited about what we're going to be able, able to produce in our running game if we can land, you know, three or four of these guys. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting at 21 commits right now, and I know some of those guys are, you know, 2020. So you've got, I think, things are lining up to be just a killer class in 2020. You know, you've got Harrison Bailey, which again, I was at that commitment, so it's obviously a very special one for me and in the hearts of many on VolQuest. But uh, you know, you've got a, a, a big time quarterback that you can rally around. You've got a new offensive coordinator. Hopefully, some momentum this next season. But if you put, if you pair a Harrison Bailey with a Zachary Evans. I mean, goodness gracious. Talk about a one-two punch right there. That sets you up for three years. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting. Um, and, again, you know, sound like Cooper Mays was pretty excited 
about they called him they said that he could be a, a captain for the team you know at, at that center position and then you know you look at someone like a Joe Quavius Marks and he likens himself to like an Alvin Kamara which I love when everybody's saying they're Alvin Kamara because that just points to Tennessee all the time and it's interesting in one of the articles I think it was the Marks one it might have been the Evans but he said there's two recognizable names, and I, I think Eric Berry is one, but he's kind of faded with you know the injuries and stuff. But people say Peyton Manning, and they say Alvin Kamara. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if I'm Pruitt, right. I am right in that train as much as possible. If there's a way to link up with Kamara, I mean, write him a fifty thousand dollar check or a hundred thousand dollar. I mean, it's they're not play, you know, they're not students anymore. I don't know if there's anything illegal to, you know, endorsements or something, right? Hey, come back and do some stuff with us and, you know, keep repping Tennessee and repping Tennessee. Um, but people know Alvin Kamara and he's one of the best players in the NFL. So again, if I'm those guys, I'd say, Hey, he went to Tennessee. I know they didn't coach him, but you know, goodness gracious. So um, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. Bleed orange. Where do you think we end up? You know, we've got four more spots and I know you wanted to talk about D'Angelo Gibbs. So maybe I'll just give that to you and we'll, we'll pass the power on the, where we fill the rest of the team. But um, what do you think about D'Angelo Gibbs uh, coming over? You know, I you know tried to find out what I could about um, what his issues were at Georgia. Uh, I I think we all understand that Pruitt is a, a guy who's kind of a no nonsense guy, and uh, I expect I have very strong feelings that that young man would not be coming to University of Tennessee if there weren't some very uh, solid understandings about the expectation level. Um, what is exciting also is that they're talking about him being a wide receiver. And uh, right. that, that's pretty cool because you've got a defensive back coach uh, as your head coach, and uh, they're talking about him going on offense. So they must really see something uh, out of him there. And uh, But it's it still, as we come down the uh, the stretch here, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to see uh, how we're going to be able to take everybody we'd like to take and how the numbers are going to work out, especially, you know, they got a, a D lineman coming in who looks like he's he's got tremendous potential. That's a 29, 2019 defensive lineman coming in. I mean, my gosh, um, we, we cannot take everybody that's out there that we would like to take. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of ball questers to get on there. At the end of the day, we could we could get you know three home runs at the end of the day, and there's plenty of them we'll get on there and complain about the ones we didn't get. But uh, well, does Tennessee take uh, Cox. Pardon me. Does Tennessee take Cox or? Well, I I hope that uh, I I I have no clue. I mean. If I'm Cox, I'm wondering, I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm thinking, crying out loud, they're bringing in a Juco DL. And I know where you're going with that, son. I'm going to let the more learned ones amongst them take that one off. We're just, we're just hoping it doesn't go to South Carolina because the headlines are going to be astounding. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, uh, I just can't get away from it. So it's uh, sometimes you can't help that. Makes me worry about my coaching. You, you can't. 
<laughs> oh man, what was that? Uh, bleed or PTC? <laughs> so it makes me worry about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, coach just can't help himself. I, you know, I posed the question on there if Cox was firm, uh, you know, in the thread. Uh, and who knows if he's firm or not, if, if Cox is firm or if he's, you know, loose or if, you I know, understand he's gone flaccid, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's interesting with all these guys that they're kind of going after. But again, I think it's an addition and subtraction. If, if you were able to take away from, you know, from, uh, the mad magician out there and, uh, what's his name? Muschamp who owns Tennessee for whatever reason, but mm-hmm. you, know, you add to Tennessee and you take away from South Carolina. I mean, I think a lot of these are very strategic, so I love it. I think really what that, what that screams to you. Go ahead. Well, the thing is though, that, you know, Cox comes here and, you know, we have a good feeling for Cox. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a good feeling for Cox. Uh, you have a what? But, but I'm not sure that the staff is all in. So, are you eating your microphone or something? I can't hear you anymore. <laughs> Once again, you're not listening, son. I am, but I, I don't know. Your thing is muffled, so go ahead. You said you have a good feeling on Cox. No, I think this, I think we did after his visit, based on what we read. I think that means he put his depends on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing it on my head. <laughs> oh, gosh. We should have done the live, the live one tonight. Uh, <laughs> no, my, all right. Here's my question to you then, Blue Orange. So, okay, I, I, you know, you hear, you heard a lot of names like Tuo Tuo that's out there. Right is out there. I think those are two spots that they're just hoping and praying. Then you had a Pickens that was out there, and that's kind of gone quiet. They're, you know, maybe they've got, you know, we're still waiting for that final visit, so maybe that ramps up. But, um, you know, maybe you bring in this defensive tackle and then you've got some other people leaving and stuff like that. But I think it's all going to work itself out. I don't think we really truly have that many more guys. Um, So I think you can keep Cox. You can hold on to Cox, right? You grab Cox and you tell him, look, man, we've wanted you. You know, we need you. We need Cox. You fit in here really well. Yeah, you fit in, right? You know, we need Cox in this class. So, um, you know, I think he stays. Well, I, it, again, it seems like he was definitely going to be in this cl- class. But then you wonder why, <laughs> with the numbers where we are, I mean, with Pickens, um, it seems like it's been, uh, I, I'd probably call him Slim Pickens. We haven't heard much on Pickens lately. Uh, but we are getting a last visit. But, yeah. You know, I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling for Pickett. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a fall ultimately. I, I think that's just one of those. I think he's headed the Juco route. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, it would be great if he were a fall. But, um, but again, if you have someone like a J.J. Peterson that can, can make it in, you know, hopefully Pickens can make it in. So we'll, we'll see how that, how that all shapes up. Uh, was there anybody else? We did, I know we talked about Tuoto last week, and I mean, obviously Wright's going to be a haul. Um, my last thing I wanted to bring up, maybe, Pal, you could speak to this real quickly, um, but Russell, Chris Russell, um, what the heck's going on there? He, people, A lot of people are saying he's Arkansas-bound. I don't, we, I don't know. On, on the Arkansas, board, we got a couple. No. Yeah, wasn't it Arkansas? Yeah. 
Isn't it Arkansas he's visiting? Or he just visited or something right. like that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about Chief, wasn't he, Powell? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Do you I know that you've kind of been following it, uh, Powell. Tell, tell us what you know and what you feel. I, mean, I don't – I've just – just from what I've read on the board, the the – the Jackson guys that, you know, from where Russell's from, they still feel like he's going to, you know, he's going to be a violent stuff. So that's, that's really about the only thing I'm going by. They said, don't read what you're, and, and some of the stuff that some of the other posters have brought over from the other, other sites from other schools or whatever. Um, they, they seem to be making a bigger deal out of it than what is really being, you know, written uh, from their sites. Um, I haven't seen anything that makes me think that, he uh, is leaning one way or another, you know, somewhere from Tennessee. Um, so until until something comes out that you know says that um, he's leaning to Arkansas or Texas A and M, right? Um, he's. I think he's. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to go to Tennessee. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thing too. Let's not sleep on Tate Ratledge. Um, you know, he's the big offensive lineman from uh, where is he? Darlington, I think he's from. And uh, I actually ran into his dad somewhere in the last year. And they mentioned in there that he is uh, that his family are big orange fans. And that's true. I mean, you can talk about, uh, you know, Cooper Mays and his family, uh, you know, his dad played football at Tennessee. But this is another young man whose whose family really is all in on Tennessee. Uh, So I I would love to see him uh, come up here and wear the orange. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that his dad was wearing uh, some kind of Tennessee gear, and I struck up a conversation with him, and that's where I learned out that it was his his dad. Maybe it was out here at Reynolds or whatever. But uh, but I, I'd love to love to see him uh, come. And, and to the point earlier in the conversation, um, he came up here really want to see a basketball game, and and uh, ended up spending a lot of time with the football guys. And I love that. Harrison Bailey is up here uh, to be around these offensive linemen and running backs and, and say, Hey guys, let's all come here together and build a class. No, I love it. Start starting early. Um, you know, you have one of those pictures when you had that mystery visit from Q Crouch and, and Wright was there and Wanya Morris and all those guys. And that they had that infamous picture and that's what you need. You need to get that one early um, where you've got, you know, your prize quarterback and hopefully you can get, some of those top running backs and offensive linemen all together say, Hey, let's build this thing together. They did it last class and here's this class. So hopefully it all works together, but obviously the, the numbers will, will work themselves out. Um, quick question for you, bleed orange. You mentioned Reynolds. Uh, when are you going to invite the pod quest up there to do a special edition uh, pod quest? Hey, anytime guys, you know, We'll we'll go down the lake club and jump in the hot tub out there by the, the lake. The, all 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 of us in the hot tub together, huh? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> no cocks invited. <laughs> no, I, I just want to find Dan Mullins and uh, I want to bother him as much as possible because uh, he does urinate in the pool. So I'd be happy getting Sarkeesian and have him do the look. And what does that look? The, 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 the booze too. Yeah. Well, by the way, I will let you guys know that I did buy a bunch of drinks last time, and I um, listened to what like the number of Dan Mullins, uh, like because everybody gets a number assigned to your account, and I got what his number was, 
and I kept saying that number. So he paid for all my drinks that day. But um, you drank a lot because I remember paying for a lot of your drinks. That well, I doubled them. I doubled them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, going so. One thing I did want to bring up really quickly. So I made a thread while we, while we've been talking pod quest, I call it the mailbag. You know, we've done some Thursday night chats some Wednesday night chat chats. So. Wait a minute. Isn't that what your regular blog is called? Except it's M A L E bag. Yes. That's a different website though. But, um, <laughs> so we have the words back or something. In there. Yeah. So we have some interesting, <laughs> We have some interesting questions. I'm not going to go through all of them. Some people want me to talk about the fire festival. It, there's look, I'll have to do my own one for that. Uh, somebody did ask uh, Vegas. Well, I was going to bring you in on, on this PTC. What's it just really quickly. We'll do a lightning round. Um, they had a question. What's the average ROI for a subway franchise? In Leipzig. Yeah. Well, I don't know even where that is. I have no idea. Uh, Two to one. No. Okay. Well, Half, maybe one and a half to one, maybe. Okay. So yeah, there you have it. I, I like the question that uh, Jay Brew Vols brought up. I think that uh, Cajun pretty much bodied Gritty, and um, Gritty got a little heated, and that's going to that's going to be a continuation later on in the week. Yeah, I think they need to let that fight continue to to build up and stir up, and then we'll have a gate twenty one that we could like film, and we can it's you know it's going to be like a Mayweather versus uh, you know a Mayweather versus what's that guy Conor McGregor? We'll do one of those, and we'll build it up, and we'll you know everybody has to pay money and all that good stuff, so it'll be fun. What about I'll give this one uh, Powell to you? Aliens among us on Earth? Yes or no? No. Okay. No. Dude, wait, Holly Warlick? Yeah, well, I was about well, man, you really, you stole my thunder right there. I was actually about to go into that. But. Yeah, this is JL thirty six. Speaking of aliens, we'll talk about Holly in a minute. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that video, the conspiracy about the ship shafter or whatever lizard guy that was Obama's FBI agent. There's a video on it. It's very interesting, very creepy. But do I think they're aliens? No, I don't think there are. So, um, bleed orange. I will ask you this one. This is a football related. I don't want to give you anything too crazy. Where is T's best slash most useful position as coach? Well, my first inclination, uh, I'm, I'm kind of at wide receiver right now. Uh, my first inclination would be quarterbacks, but uh, I know Cheney is such a great quarterback coach. So I think I'd kind of rather have Cheney uh, working with a quarterback. So maybe wide receivers. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think he stays wide receivers and maybe Johnson goes to running back and then stinky winkies out. So we'll see. Um, so PTC is, this is from AKA forever. Is the earth really flat? I responded in the thread and no, because cats. Okay. Good. So that what you take everybody take it what what you want from that because of cats. Powell are UTJ L UTJL thirty six. You already have one great question um, asking about uh, aliens on Earth. He says, "Are there too many underwear type options?" And I know we've talked about this actually before. Um, and he said, "Why did society not just stick with boxers and briefs?" Um, I guess now with the, the, the mix of boxer briefs and all that kind of stuff, 
too many underwear types. And my my dad, I know he you just do straight jock straps, but that's maybe another uh, another topic. But um, banana hammocks. Yeah, banana or- hammocks. <laughs> Powell, what do you think? Too many underwear type options. <laughs> I don't know because I've never really. Um... I don't, I'm not a brief guy at all. I'm more of a boxer guy, so and that's all I go for. So okay, uh, I just I don't uh, I don't know if there's too many options. Maybe there's some boxer brief guys out there. I don't know. Uh, I'm a, I don't want to take that brief. away from them. I'm a boxer briefs guy myself. Are I, you? I'm yep. be a boxers guy, and then I I was never really briefs and you know never really into that. I used to be a boxers guy. It was very airy and you know all that good stuff. And then I you get the support and the comfort of the boxer brief, and it's. You know, it feels pretty good. It feels good, man. And uh, again, you know, bleed orange. I know you're a you're a jockstrap guy, right? I sort of like the low rise bikini kind of a look, you know. Uh, oh dear God, have <laughs> <some muscle. laughs> Oh man, that's uh, that's another troll. And the reason I bring that up, everybody, is because that was a troll Christmas gift that I put in my dad's stocking stuffer. Um, <laughs> it was a piece of underwear where you put everything in this pouch. And then it had no coverage on the backside. Um, so it was, uh, it was rough to say the least. Um, but I got it for him as a gift. It was more like a silky jock. Yeah, that was your birthday present too, wasn't it? I think. Oh, it's comfortable and I wear it often. So, well, I didn't know you still wore it. So, um, all right. You know, this would have, this would have been a better, this would have been a better question for Cox probably. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Cox, what yeah. do you what underwear do you wear? Yeah. Um, yeah. So another question that we had, kind of round things up here. Uh, let's see here. Since I'm not going into the fire festival, Roba22 asks, and I'll give this to you, PTC or Powell, if you want. Uh, where was Crouch on Saturday? There's a lot of people freaking out, saying, you know, he's not going to Tennessee and all that. Was was where's where was or not that he's not going to Tennessee, but he's going to transfer and he's pissed off and all this stuff. Where was he? Uh, I'm not real sure why he'd be all pissed off. But I don't know. Looked like, from, looked like from where somebody posted his Instagram account that he was just chilling at home. Um, not real sure what the deal is, but maybe he, that injury that he had at the uh, All American game, he just wanted to rehab it, rest it, and is going to be back on campus doing what he needs to do. You know, it's it's funny. I, I having been a cop, there are conspiracy theories, you know, galore. But there is no place like the GQ for conspiracy theories. I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's oh, funny. Mention tea leaves, baby, and you know, no holds barred. Anything can happen. But that's I'm what makes sure those are tea leaves magical. they're reading. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. That's what makes this place magical, though. Another, I got two more questions here. Juval, who's the most knowledgeable basketball poster. And I, I feel bad for him because he has 47,000 posts and 7,000 likes. I, I'm sorry. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying I feel bad because I, I think some of his takes are decent. But he has, a lot. National Holocaust Day. he has a lot of terrible hot takes, though. I mean, terrible hot takes. He asked the group, how much weight has T. Martin gained since 1998? Do we, we want to go off of a pound? Well, obviously by pounds um, or just kind of a – compare him to a, an individual. I think he's about tree fitty. He's starting to, you think he gained 350 pounds or you think he weighs three? Powell, do you want to go ahead and explain that one to him? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, I don't think I'm going to. 
do a sumo style wrestling match for quarterback coach. <laughs> I think that he's getting on Cheney's level. And I've seen him in person. I, I bumped into him at an Atlanta Hawks game, actually. And he was wearing an M&M's jacket, like M&M candies. And he definitely oh, – serious? Oh, yeah. I bumped into him and I said, hey, T, you know, you're awesome. Um, and I said, when are you going to come back, you know, to Tennessee? I'm, it was a number of years ago. It was when I had season tickets. So, um, you know – You had it, season tickets to the Hawks? Yeah, I did for a number of years. But um, Talk about burning money. No, man. They This was when the Hawks – it was when they had the baby Hawks with Al Horford and Josh Childers and Josh Smith and Mike Bibby and Joe Johnson. And they took the Celtics to seven games in sucks. 2008. So, But anyway, I bumped into him randomly with his – I guess it was his wife, the R&B singer lady. But, um, you know, he's he's definitely blown up. I don't know if that's a drinking thing or he just really eats in and out or what – in and out burger out there in California. But goodness gracious, he needs to, you know <laughs> – Figure it out. I was, I was actually talking to somebody about that. About yeah. it's this person made a great point about that is going on recruiting trips and you're going from house to house and everybody wants you to sit down and eat dinner with them. Right. So could you? I mean, sir, you imagine doing a? I mean, you know, going to somebody's house at four o'clock in the afternoon and having to do dinner, and then you leave from there and you go to somebody else's house and you're there at seven o'clock and you got to do dinner again. Right. I mean, that can be end up being a lot of food. Oh yeah, yeah. He hadn't said he did not say no um, at that dinner yeah. table. So, uh, last question, um, and then we'll go in. We've got one more little segment we want to talk about. Last question is from Addy O seven three O in Bleed Orange. I know you're an alpha, so the question is: Do alphas clasp forearms instead of shaking hands? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, gosh, there's a lot I could go with there. But uh, I, I think that a firm handshake can be just as uh, alpha as anything. Okay, we'll leave it at that. So the last thing I want to talk about, unless you guys are done, I think we're on a roll here. It's been a great pod quest, a really fun one. Um, obviously, we have not, and I've been getting texts actually from a number of folks. Make sure you talk about this. Make sure you bring this up. Um, the Lady Vols, the un- your, your unranked Lady Vols, have been on a six game losing streak and they're going for number seven, but actually beat LSU this week. But we are starting to hear some comparisons between Holly so and they come wanting to learn and get better and just play the game. Holly, she's interrupting me while I'm talking, but um, some comparisons between Holly and Butch Jones. Now, I don't know if y'all listened. I know you guys listen, but the people listening to our podcast, listening to Holly's post-game remarks, I think it was after the Notre Dame game when they did that We Back Pat, even ESPN was doing it and everything, and she said that that Pat would be proud of how they played and all this kind of stuff. And, it, it, you know, who is the comparison? I'll let you guys talk about it. Who is the comparison here for where Holly is right now and all the stuff she's starting to say and stuff she's starting to do? It sounds like she's going into desperation mode sort of the trying to make it, you know, make it sound like, make it sound better than what it actually is. Or she's either that or trying to convince herself that things are not as bad as they seem. Now, the two. All right. So my other thing too, where did this we back Pat thing come from? Is it like for a, like the research for the disease yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole Alzheimer's deal. Okay. Okay. Cause 
you know, um, it, it's just interesting that, you know, this, all this stuff was out on, on television and everything. And then she comes out starting to set, you know, use Pat's name and her honor and like, Oh, you know, she'd be so proud of us and all these kinds of things. And it just really sounds like, you know, what you guys had kind of brought up before around Butch Jones, some of the things that Butch Jones started doing, mm-hmm. his ship was sinking, throwing out random stats and throwing out this and throwing out that. And, you know, Butch would kind of go as far as, well, I, I was with Eric Spolstra at the heat game the other day. And, you know, during halftime, he let me talk to the team and LeBron said this to me. And, th- and it's like all these things, like you got to win the game. You know, you can't lose the dang game. You got to win the game. And especially Tennessee, I think I saw a stat and, and Pat's in 30 years or whatever, it was like Tennessee had never lost three games in a row and they did it twice <laughs> in one year. Um, mm-hmm. So do you guys, I know we talked about a little bit, does she just fade off into the sunset or is she completely done? Is she going to get fired before the end of the year? Fading off of the sunset and being completely done seems uh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I think that, you know, whether or not she makes it at the end of the year, I don't know why she wouldn't. Um, you know, I, I don't really see a purpose in that. But, uh, you know, let her finish out the year and then make make plans going forward. I believe that's probably what Fulmer would do. Right. There's just too much momentum as a university right now, I think, that if you did something like that, you'd have the, you know, the the brigade the the lady vol mm-hmm. coming after you so you just can't take that pr hit unfortunately in 2019 you're just winning too much so i think that's what's going to happen and i know we discussed it last week so um anything else gentlemen we want to talk about before we say good evening just keep that number one right by our name no it's only gonna yep. go Go as far as we can, and you know, most important, get that number one seed for the NCAA tournament. But man, it'd be great to go in ranked number one in the nation, number one seed, and number one overall seed. It would be a great trifecta. I'll take it too. What do you think, Powell? Right Anything else, my friend? Same thing for me. Just keep winning. Just keep winning. Mm-hmm. Lead Orange, are you still with us? What? Yeah. What? What? Uh, what? 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 Are we still? Yeah, we're still yeah. recording. <laughs> no, we're we good. Um, we're. Did you just do a sentence without a uh, without a verb in there? Did you say we no. good? I'm saying go back orange. <laughs> number one. No, it's it's exciting, and um, we might be the one uh, one thing I do. We we are still doing the SEC championship, um, the tournament SEC tournament. So. Again, I keep bringing this up because I want people to get excited. Everybody who's in the Nashville area who wants to come up, we're going to do a VolQuest, you know, get together, PodQuest, VolQuest, whatever it is. We're going to get everybody together. It's going to be a great time, a great you know way for everybody to meet and all that kind of stuff. And I know that PTC said that he was going to make you know badges for everybody. So I appreciate you doing that, PTC. Um, but it's going to be great fun for everybody to get together during the tournament. So if you want to know more information, PM me. Um, it's not going to be like this fire festival that everyone says is going to happen. And it doesn't happen. It's going to be really incredible. We're going to have a great time doing it. So um, go Vols. I think I'm echoing everything that everybody said. Let's all, everybody on the board too, let's not try to nitpick and find something to be upset about. There are some stupid threads this week, people complaining about oh, good Lord. whatever they could complain about. You know, Let's just enjoy Tennessee being 18-1. and one. 
It's basketball. Even the Warriors lose some games here and there. Tennessee's a great team. Keep fighting. Keep working hard. Keep grinding. Win these next five games and go into the Kentucky matchup 23-1. and With that, this is Georgia Tech Vol. And for my wonderful friends on the podcast and for my wonderful friends listening, thank you all so much for listening. We love your support. And go Vols. Thank <laughs> you.